Welcome to the Batphone Podcast, where we talk about combat sports, comic books, gaming, pop culture, and anything else my friends want to talk about. Hosted by yours truly, Nick Batman Hughes. A special episode this week as we look at the Trinity MMA New Breed competing at the Apex Sports Festival number two. It's going to be at the Norwood Oval again on March 12. And look, all credit goes to Craig Ike. Uh, Greg Hearn, Trent Winter, Justin White, and based, like the entire team uh, at Diamondback and the, the entire team that have put this together and made this happen. Again, it's a huge opportunity for all combat sports athletes across South Australia to finally compete at a showcase event once more and test their skills and show their newfound skills as well, being that it's a, a little bit of time between drinks that everyone's been working hard in the lab and just coming up trumps. And I know that, you know, this is actually an opportunity for a lot of sports that are out there. It's a, if you're a, a spectator uh, thinking about going to Apex, man, you get a lot of bang for your buck. There's strongman and sword fights and arm wrestling and of course, there's boxing and Muay Thai, kickboxing, MMA. It's it's a huge day of events as well. We just ask that you don't drink too much early and stay too late <laughs> because all of the MMA is on at the end of the day and we don't want people getting too rowdy and jumping the cage because that's never happened before. But this podcast is really just a quick one, hopefully a quick one, to have a look at the new athletes coming out of Trinity MMA specifically. There's been some really cool stuff that's happened after the reshuffle of, of the schedule focus and opening up those MMA classes, opening up the striking classes. And it's really brought about, you know, much more of a, a populist turnover. We've had more people in those classes, but it's really sort of brought about this spurring of opportunity for everyone in those classes to be exposed to the higher levels and reach those higher levels as well. So the fight camp process, uh, whilst being condensed, is still in place and we've modified it and we've updated it. The weekly training structure has been modified, has been updated. A lot of the athletes have really taken it upon themselves to step up to the next level with strength and conditioning outside of the academy. There's uh, new leadership groups that are really stepping to the forefront and, and taking the reins and making sure that everyone's working exactly as hard as they possibly can in order to instill that confidence within a fighter to actually you know, work towards and accept a bout of this magnitude on, on this type of show. You know, most of the people who are fighting from Trinity MMA is their first time fighting. All, all but one, well, one has had fights before but never for Trinity. Uh, so all but one are having their first fights for Trinity MMA. So we've got Levi Collins, who's going to be fighting Jed Dale. We've got Jordi Anassi, who's going to be fighting a Mod Thai bout uh, against Axel from Strongheart. We've got Ali Alcamedi. Al Please tell me I've said your name right and haven't butchered it completely. Maybe I'll get you to clarify later on in the podcast. Uh, he's going to be fighting uh, Seku from United. And Jackie Evans is going to be fighting her mod tie bout uh, against an opponent whose name escapes me at the moment, but uh, from Frontline as well. So it's going to be a really cool uh, little uh, coming out party for the entire Trinity MMA crew because a lot of those names, one of those names you've heard before, you've seen Levi fight before, you've seen Mason fight before uh, in grappling competitions, in kickboxing bouts, and in MMA, all three of them respectively. But... Now it's his second foray into the cage and the amount of skill progression that he's taken within that time. And he's really gone from being one of the up-and-comers, one of the new breed, to being one of the senior members of the training group and one that people really look up to for the skill and the talent and the work ethic. He's someone who's always in there putting back into the training group as well. Uh, and he's an exciting fighter. If you ask any of the analysts around the scene in South Australia who they're really looking forward to seeing, they're going to tell you it's Levi Collins and Mason Collins. Ali as well is just, you know, one of the big faces of the new breed of, of MMA in Trinity MMA is Ali. Like he came from another club. He had some pre-existing skills. He's a fantastic athlete. But when he came over, he simply had no strategy and he, his gas tank depleted very quickly because of that, because he just had no structure to what he was attempting to do in the rounds. He had all the skills, but none of the reasoning. And without saying too much, what he's able to come up with now is something 
that is completely unique and completely different and the way he goes about his rounds he can hang with anyone in the gym we have to put him against the absolute best and most experienced in our academy to get out the most from him because he really is that next generation personified and he's here the new the new generation is here uh, this is really why I'm doing this podcast is just to talk a little bit more about this this new generation this new breed because they have arrived the the wheel has turned uh, you know I've been talking about it a little bit recently on the podcast I talked about it with the element crew they agree the wheel has turned and the new breed is here uh, Jordi Anassi as well I Myself and Tim Rogers, <laughs> uh, we highlighted him as one of the standouts of the new the new breed, and he's going to be stepping in uh, to a mod tie bout whilst he brushes up on his grappling. You know, he puts a lot of work in, a lot of work in, in every class type that we have at Trinity MMA, and he's a fast learner, but only because he is a learner. You know, he's he's not coming in not attempting to do all of the techniques that he's learning, even though he's had a history with kickboxing and Muay Thai and boxing itself. Still, he he just came in like a clean slate and wanted to pick up all of this knowledge. He's gravitated towards people who have a similar style to him, but he has not shunned away from any of the hard work that comes with learning completely new skills. Uh, you know, I call them the young ethnic Australian <laughs> Conor McGregor, and I think he took it to heart and started to to play with that a little bit. But what he brings into every training session, again, we have to make sure we match him with the best strikers we have, with the best athletes that we have, because he's on that level and he's another guy who's really earned his spot and really earned his place. And I know from seeing his rounds in the gym and from seeing what he's put in, what he's going to bring to this mod tie bout is, is just a completely different perspective on striking and how one can put together their rounds and, and one can look at fighting. It's just, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, Jackie Evans is going to be having a first fight for Trinity and yeah, just the process of evolution, you know, she really got stripped back to the core mechanics of how she moves, her footwork, her understanding of fighting, you know, when she came to us, she had a lot of techniques that she was able to employ, but she had, again, just limited strategy and limited know-how. And a lot of the techniques that she was attempting to do were probably based more on tradition and not as much on what she could achieve personally as an individual. So the specifics of her skill set have taken a massive uh, overhaul. And just from the way that she moves, her footwork, her head movement, her technique selection, it is... It's a completely different fighter, completely different fighter to who she was before. And if anyone was looking at her previous fights and trying to scout, it's going to be a difficult, very difficult for you to do so uh, because what she's come up with now is completely her own. And I'm very glad that she, you know, another one of those people, just like the ones that I've already mentioned, that has walked the walk every single day, come into every single class, whether it's wrestling, a comp class, um, no gi, Every striking class she can get in with, privates with all of the highest level striking coaches, you know, her search for learning and her search and, and thirst for progression has not yet been quenched. So she is just at every single place that she can possibly be to be learning and worked her way into the advanced, worked her way up to the fight team. And now she just takes advantage of every little piece of training that she can get and uh, yeah, really earned this opportunity as well. Uh, one of the most committed and most uh, I guess she's she's just like Ryan, just like Ryan Cooper, one of those faces that you just cannot help but see every time you step into Trinity MMA. So what we've done moving forward into our sparring structure as well, because we have you know the opportunity to make these simulations a little bit more direct on our Saturday morning sparrings, we've we've had a look at our card structure or the, the card sequence that will potentially be taking place fight night or fight day I should say on Apex and we've had a big push for everyone to do their rounds in that order so they get used to it early they get used to having to target their warm-up to go on after a certain person goes on and we've really had this idea that if you're coming into a Saturday morning sparring session if you're coming into Saturday sparring 
you really come in rested, recovered, hydrated, ready to go. You're not going to be doing 15 rounds. You're going to be doing three targeted rounds of your time periods that you're going to be fighting in. And it's about output and recovery, what you can achieve in those three rounds that are allotted to you and how well you can recover in those recovery periods that you have. Uh, You've got your entire corner there. We set the corners. So the voices that they hear on sparring days are the voices that they're going to hear on fight night. Uh, We're rolling with feedback the entire time. So they're getting feedback on what is occurring. Yes, in the sparring rounds with their sparring partners, but what that means in the context of an actual fight as well, what the judges may be thinking, what they're going to need to achieve in the next round, uh, what's going to bring them good outcomes when they're mid-round. The coaches have been learning the styles and strategies of each of the fighters so that they can best guide them towards their own individual or specific techniques, specific pathways for success. So it's been just a fantastic process. And again, the new breed is here. The the wheel has turned. There's new leaders in the club. There's new faces in the club. And I'm just incredibly excited to see the outcomes and what's going to occur, occur at Apex and beyond. You know, because this just keeps going. Once you start down this track, get the ball rolling of momentum, it does not stop. And I've, I've seen it happen before, and I cannot wait to see it happen again. So what I'm going to try and do here in this podcast, the next segments are just going to be interviews with all of the four people that I've mentioned, Levi, Ali, Jackie, and Jordy. And I want to ask them the question, you know, what does this fight mean to you? What does fighting mean to you? How's your fight camp been? And... Anything else that they would like to share, you know, about their process, about what's brought them to this point in time where they are going to be stepping in potentially for the first, second or third time where they stand in their fight careers and what they want to achieve in their fight careers. I think it's really good to get a little bit of an insight into the actual personality and yes, the humanity of of the people that are going to be stepping in and fighting in that cage because they are the ones, but overall, they face the the biggest consequences. And I cannot understate that. They really do face the harshest consequences alone uh, with themselves. And, you know, as coaches, we can take it on board, but at the end of the day, it's, it's their burden to bear. And they should get all of the support. They should get all of the the shine and highlight that they can possibly get. And they should get opportunities to share their story as well. So, Whatever they'd like to share, I want to give them a chance to share it. And hopefully by listening to this before you go to Apex, you'll get a little bit of an insight into the personality of the athletes that are going to be competing, if not only from Trinity MMA, but from other clubs as well, everywhere, everywhere across the state. Everyone shares the same blood, sweat and tears. So it's good to get a little bit of return on that if you possibly can. So make sure you're buying your tickets, guys. Go through the athletes if you if that's the pathway. Go through the club if that's the pathway. And make sure that they're getting their return as well monetarily for the damage that they incur. So let's see how we go with some interviews with the fighters. And hopefully we get a few insights into just what's going to be going down at Apex 2, March 12. All right, I'm here with Jordi Anassi. He's going to be fighting on Apex 2, Montai. Yeah. And it could, it could have been any rule set, basically. It could have been in the car park yeah. <laughs> and you would have fought this guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Tim and I have talked about you in the past. And, uh, you know, there's a big rap on you. You learn very quickly. You're yeah. open to all of the different styles and learning types. Yeah. And I know that you've had some combat experience before, some, some boxing experience, and you've trained in, in different gyms yeah. around the place as well. What are some of the places you've trained at? Um, I've trained, I uh, started at Golden Grove Boxing when I was about 12, mm-hmm. and then I went to West Central, uh, been to Rikers a little bit, I went to Team Pinkies, yeah. and now I'm here, so that's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. What made you want to come here? I know, because MMA, I just want to do MMA. Yeah. One of my favourite fighters, you know, all the from the UFC and yeah. all them type, and they all go into the MMA, so... Yeah, no, 100%, man. And as soon as we saw you come in, we saw, obviously, you already yeah. had a style yeah. as well, a style that was really set. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't come about through doing nothing. You know, yeah. you've actually got to be pretty thoughtful yeah. about what type of fighter you want to be and how you want to put your techniques forward when you're sparring or when you're in the ring or when you're yeah. in the cage. So our idea for you is that it would have 
done you a disservice to sit you on the sidelines for ages until your grappling was ready to have an MMA bout. Let's get you in there. Let's get you competing and developing a competitive striking style. What it feels like to go through the entire like camp process, hands wrapped. It's all about you. Your photo is going to be out there. All of that shit. And even though a little bit of a weight cut first and then you'll be much more prepared for MMA. Yeah, we'd love to have you do some grappling competitions when you're, when you're out there and ready for it. But in the background, as all of that's going on, you're still working on your grappling, you're still working on your wrestling, you're yeah. still you know, very eye-opening scramble rounds when you're doing work with the guys and you'll do all of that work yeah. in the future to make it more precise. But I remember when you first came in, I was like, we're not going to try and get you everything. Yeah. We're going to try and get you like five things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, side control, escape, yeah. stand up, sweep, yeah. cage defense, yeah. and out defense, yeah. or back control defense. Yeah. So like, if you get that and you can run it yeah. in a circuit, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to be pretty set yeah. to yeah. actually just be able to have a platform to use your pre-existing skills in an MMA battle. As soon as you start clipping people, it's like Levi. Like, as soon as you start actually landing shots, everyone's a wrestler. (laughs) The best strikers are the wrestlers, even just instinctually. I guess one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, being that you've come into it from that perspective, like, what do you want out of fighting? I know it's a pretty broad question, yeah. but what do you really I want? I want to make, make a living out of fighting. That's what I wanted since I was little. Is just be a fighter and just yeah, get paid for it really. And yeah, it's my dream. That's all I want to want to do. So yeah. Um, have you looked into? I mean, obviously you've got a, you're exposed to a few different professionals. Yeah. Now, so you've got elements of influence like Tim Rogers and, and like Ant Bino, like Jay Chinaworth. Uh, obviously, I'm coaching you yeah. at the moment, yeah. and you've been exposed to those elements. Have you seen something different? Have you seen something that you believe you could improve on or aspire to? Yeah, so like my grappling, I reckon, 100%. Um, but I don't know, yeah. Look, I don't really know. What do you mean by like... Well, like strength and conditioning, oh, diet, nutrition, all of that kind of stuff as well. Uh, probably, yeah, when I go into the MMA on the grappling, my fitness, I need to work on yeah. the, the grapple fitness aspects of things. Um, but yeah, other than that, I reckon my striking's pretty good yeah one of, we think you're striking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll say before we've got to put you in with the best strikers yeah. just to make sure that you know yeah. you're on a, a half piece of the but it's good though man like you've, you've made yeah. a good impression on Thank us you. like right off the bat yeah. and I think that's well warranted I think yeah. You've got a good head on your shoulders, yeah. and when we do your sparring rounds now, it's like we don't have to tell you how to fight people. Yeah. You know, one of the things I realized when I had my first in ring yeah. fight, I'm yeah. fighting someone who potentially hasn't actually fought yeah. other humans yeah. before. You know what I mean? Like that feeling yeah. of actually being in a fight. Yeah. When it happens, you kind of black out a little bit. Yeah. I remember the first like fight, fight I ever had when I was a little kid. I, you, I couldn't tell you what happened. Yeah, you know it just, it's just weird, like, in the moment. You yeah. don't want that to happen yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you're like actually fighting yeah, in the ring, no, you know yeah. what I mean? But uh, you're not going to have that issue. No. I think for us, it's going to be about channeling your style into bringing out your best weapons, yeah. making you understand what your best weapons are, and yeah. just setting traps, traps for people, yeah. and being composed enough to set those traps early and use things like sparingly yeah. so that when you throw them, they really impact yeah. and they're really clean when you throw them. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're doing simulation rounds yeah. now, which I know you're not necessarily used to doing. Yeah. You're probably used yeah. to doing like yeah. lots of rounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, when it's only three not, twos, yeah, high intensity, like it's, that, yeah. it's a completely it's different. different feeling. Yeah. You just got to get exposed to that. Yeah. What was that like for you walking into that last week? Yeah, last week I was like that first round and I had that first round of Timmy mm. Boy and I was like, I was like, wow, this is a bit hectic. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, that last round I picked up a right though. Yeah. I felt good in that last round. But yeah, it's different when you just have to stand there and bang in like, Two minutes. Yeah, you know, you've got two minutes to yeah. either do damage or make an impression yeah. on the judges yeah, and not get completely gassed. Yeah. It's not like, hey, go for a 10 minute run. Yeah, go for right. a five minute yeah. run. It's like, go for a two minute sprint. Yeah, you know I mean, try and do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, different it's energy different, systems. Yeah. Everyone's looking at you, you're hearing yeah. shit from the corner. Yeah. We're just telling you composure, set your distance, you know, just. Because if we tell you, throw a jab cross hook, like, you know fucking jab cross hook yeah, is, right. you, know, you know how to do it, but yeah. yeah, it's just about, I always say to guys, what you're hearing from the corner yeah. is educated suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. We're making suggestions yeah. about things that you could do, or things that we think could help you yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Whether you choose to do it is, or not is on you. Yeah. There's things like distance and timing and composure, they'll always help. 
So we could give you reminders about that. Yeah. But it's gonna be your choice yeah. whether you employ it. But yeah, we're all looking forward to, to you being out there. I'm glad that again. you worked your way to this yeah. opportunity and it's just the first step. We lose or draw in this fight yeah. and you're just gonna rapidly accelerate yeah. towards your, your overall goals and you're doing it the right way, man. You're getting in the ring first. You're experiencing yeah. it. You're going to have grappling competitions to yeah. develop that competitive grappling. Yeah. And by the time you actually step into your first MMA bout, you're going to be so well prepared and so well versed. Yeah. It's just going to feel really natural yeah. to be in there. Yeah. Whereas if you went in there right now... Yeah, it'd be a different, bit of a different experience. You'd be like, though. fuck, I better not get taken yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just run around, I just <laughs> Uh, yeah. Thanks for giving me yeah, the time today. I appreciate it. We've got to get you out there getting ready for your rounds. And then, yeah. you, you looking forward to yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, big day. So, yeah, King. Brilliant. That's all I need to be here. Thanks, bro. Thanks, Much appreciated. Uh, I'm sitting here with, Ma I mean, Levi. Levi oh, Collins. It's the first time I've seen you without Mason, man. Yeah, it's a bit different. Strange. <laughs> I don't feel the same, actually. <laughs> uh, it's funny, man. Um, yeah, so you're now the more experienced guy coming into Apex 2. You've had the most fights out of like anyone who's going to be on the show. You've had the more grappling experience, striking bouts, and you've had an MMA bout. So now you're going into your second MMA bout, yeah. and uh, everyone's got the hype on you, dude. They should have. You're meant to be getting knockouts now, man. Yeah, I know. I think that's the expectation, but we'll see what happens. I don't yeah. know. Fuck. No, your skills have come up pretty massively since that time that you fought, and it probably you might agree with me because of that fight. Yeah, like, I reckon you really understood the reality of what fighting is after yeah. that fight. I think the, the your opponent yeah. probably didn't get it just yet. Yeah, like he was a little bit more segmented. He had an idea about what fighting was, but the shots that he was taking, he's probably never took those kind of shots before. Like that yeah. broken distance, getting hit whilst he's trying to regather guard and stuff yeah, like that, sure. and just never experienced that before. But that's where you live now, man. Like yeah. you just you understand how to be opportunistic, snipe for submissions, yeah. uh, snipe for the powerful shots. I mean, you actually noted to me sparring in the format that we do isn't realistic in the way where you know fresh opponents just yeah, walk yeah. through shots where that would actually sit you down yeah i think that's what i think anyway when i'm sparring like sometimes shots you throw out with the full like power or whatever yeah. and just yeah it isn't realistic it's well, not, it's not it is realistic but it's like there could be different scenarios that unfold from that sort of 100 yeah. percent. their reaction to those to eating yeah. those shots could be different yeah. but the way i see it is like you're just you're practicing to fight a monster who doesn't get hurt ever and yeah. you just walk through. So you've just got to be sharp all the time yeah. no matter what you're doing. And you've been through the camp process before now yeah. where we start off a lot of worst case scenario stuff. Yeah. So that the most of what you do is working out of bad positions. So that is just second nature by the time you come to the end of your fight camp, which is a lot more about simulation and you're attacking and what you're going to do and yeah. obviously that is intact to a lot of the type of training that you do there's mma training that we do monday wednesday that type of thing and yeah. that yeah. is a lot about competing uh and bringing out that competitive side of you but you're always hitting pads you're always working on yeah. techniques you're always working on what your favorite strikes are so you've probably got a fair few ideas about what you want to do yeah. when you actually step in that cage what does this fight represent to you uh, I'm not sure. I think it's just a good marker for me since, like I said, I haven't fought for, it's been like two and a half years. Yeah. So I'm hoping it shows a massive skill growth yeah. sort of thing. That's all I'm hoping for. I'm not really, I don't really think about it. To me, it feels like it's not even happening at the moment. So mm. I have to wait till it gets closer before it becomes like, it doesn't really play on my mind that much at the moment. Yeah. You just guys have always been like that though. Yeah, it doesn't it's... really, it doesn't. At the moment, it doesn't feel real at all, so I'm just like coming to try and do what I can. Yeah. And then before the like weigh-in. Weigh-ins is usually when it becomes real. So. Yeah. What about when you get your, your photo put up on the internet? Does that make it real? Mm, that makes it embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey man, some people put their photo up on the internet long before yeah, they have a exactly. fight. Yeah, <laughs> well, they have um, MMA. Instagram fucking handles and they're not even for us. So. <laughs> I know you're all about that life. <laughs> you're like the antithesis of that I entire know, mentality. <laughs> the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm on the other end of the spectrum. But yeah, yeah, you 100% are, man. It's not about the social media for you. I mean, 
you let your fights do the marketing for you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Tommy Hayes, Gingerbeard, he's not talking about your Instagram posts when he's talking about the hype on you as a fighter. Yeah. He's talking about you as an athlete, yeah. you as a, a martial artist and a practitioner. You've got this exciting grappling style, mm-hmm. exciting striking style. And he's like, fuck, I really want to see that guy fight. And I feel like that's exactly what you're going for. You know yeah. what I mean? The skills speak for themselves. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, I've always thought with anything as well, not just fighting. Like if you want to talk yourself up, it's not as powerful as someone else talking about you. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that's how I look at it a little bit with everything. Yeah, man, and you put the hard work in to, to back yeah. that up as well. Like, there's a reason why people are looking at that. I mean, we've taken a bit of a line with this fire camp where I've really tried to make everyone compete a lot. Yeah. Because I've really realized, like, in terms of elite decision making, it has to be based on you competing to win every inch that, yeah. you're, that you're going for. Like, yeah. Tony Caruso talks about it a lot. He's probably talked to you about yeah, specifically sure. about the choices that you make with your cage position, the choices that you make with your technique selection, what finishes you're trying to go for and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like there's a lot of techniques, there's a lot of tools in the tool bag, but when you have this preset of trying to win, yeah. then you're actually going to pull out the ones that matter yeah, you know, sure. the most in that time frame. I think that can get a bit lost sometimes. And I think that's, because of how much training we have to do in MMA. Like, how are you actually going to win this fucking round? Like, what are you going to use? You know, you don't have to tell me. (laughs) Um, No, I think it's it's brought about a bit of a change in you and a change in your intent. Right now, everything's really fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. We're at that point in fight camp where you have to do Shark Tank rounds where you get fresh people who can walk through all your shit and they're trying to do simulation rounds where they're pushing you uh, to be in bad positions. And you're having to stick to your guns and bring about your best outcomes through all of that attrition. That's the point where we're at right now. Yeah. Eventually, they're going to have to stay in there with you. Yeah. And they're going to feel all of the that work ethic and all of the result and return of all of that work that you're doing right now. So sure. you know, you're probably looking forward to that stage yeah, as well. I can't wait. I just like want it to get over with sort of thing. Yeah. But I know you have to put in that hard work. But yeah. Well, what if we'd organized this fight to be in like a barn or some shit like <laughs> some sort of alley or a car park maybe with like yeah, maybe <laughs> I feel like it would be the same I'd approach it the same way <laughs> the same process would happen just it's in a different venue <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like that as well uh, you're an old school fighter you're a throwback <laughs> fighter man I'm really looking forward to seeing what you come up with on the night and yeah I guess the last thing I'll, I'll give you with this is you just can't forget that you deserve this you know if people are looking up to you or or whatever i know that's a an odd thing to say and an odd thing to feel yeah yeah and you're probably feeling that at the moment but it's because of all of that work you've done yeah all of that pad work that you and mason do all that time thinking and and being mindful about technique all of the work that you've put into do grappling competitions do muay thai bouts do mma bouts you were the guys who have consistently gone out there, sort the skills, and then put it on the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. People don't, or you know, they don't really look at Instagram the same way they look yeah. at actual fighters. Yeah. When you walk into the grandstand and you see real fighters walking out, that's what matters. Yeah. Instagram doesn't, doesn't come into play. Hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm looking forward to you being in your elements in that <laughs> way. I've, I've said it many times, man. You and Mason. Very skilled, very skilled practitioners, very skilled human beings. There's a lot of things you can do. You're artists, you play guitar, you can fucking, yeah, you can fucking draw. There's so many things that you can do that are good in your life. Yeah. But fighting is the best of those things. Yeah. And I'm just super happy to see you getting out there and and being the best version of yourself you can be, man. Looking forward to it. Cheers, man. Don't get injured. (laughs) Good stuff, man. Alright, I'm here with the genetic beast himself, the man carved from stone, Ali. Let me try to pronounce it right, the last name, and then you're gonna correct me, alright? Al Khamedi. Al come on! No, it's Al Khamedi. Al Khamedi, oh come on! Come on! Ah, man, well, I've somehow roped you into doing an interview with me. You're like, I'm nervous about this interview, I don't want to say that. Who cares, man? Doesn't matter what you say. You think that. You've got to think of it like this. 
If you're nervous and that's your legitimate emotion, other people in your shoes would be nervous too. You're going into your, your first fight here uh, at Apex 2, and I'm sure that if other people listening to this were going to their first fight at Apex 2, they probably have some nerves about the whole process, but you're right in it, man. You just had your, your rounds on sparring day. They were hard rounds, very productive, showing a lot of improvement, but the biggest point of improvement that you've shown from my perspective is when you first came here, you already had quite a broad skill set. You just had a lack of strategy. You just didn't know how to put it together into MMA, into a format that was like not segmented, mm. where you were doing striking now and then grappling now and then doing jujitsu now, um, you know, pulling full and close guard and thinking that you're in a jujitsu match. Exactly. It's just not what you're doing. Yeah. So, um, what did you notice was different? when you started training at Trinity MMA. Do you remember? Yes, uh, I, when I first came in, I was really taken back by like the, the skill, the caliber kind of like level you had to be to be, be competitive. Mm. So when I was doing the rounds, I really took a step back and I talked to you about it. We talked about it, discussed, okay, oh, this is working, this is not working, um, this is the skills you should um, develop in, this mm. is, like take a step back, take some time, develop these skills. And then you start being more competitive, and then I feel like I'm slowly um, doing that. Oh, you're very competitive yeah. now. Don't, don't get me wrong, man. Yeah. But no, you're 100% right. And I actually, I do use you as an example of someone who you know came in from a different club who was at quite a high level. To be honest, you were at quite a high level at that point in time. But there was just some fundamental gaps. Yeah. And some of it was cage grappling. Some exactly. of it was intention with your wrestling and things like that. So whilst we gave you a trial with the advanced team, because you were about to fight as yeah. well from, yeah. from your old team, we gave you a trial with our team and then I asked you to come back into yeah. the fundamental classes yeah. uh, and work your way back up to the advanced team. And credit to you that you took that seriously. You didn't take that as a, a jab against you or a snide against you. It really was about trying to get the best scenario for your progression. You took it seriously, man. I, I started to see you at every wrestling class. You had all the fundamental classes. Mm -hmm. You're doing every cage work session and you earned your way back to it. And we really felt like putting you into a striking only bout mm -hmm. at this point in time would be doing you a disservice yeah. because you train all the time in MMA. Yes. And you have such a, like, as a grappler, you're at one level. Mm. As a striker, you're at another level. Mm. But as an MMA practitioner, both of mm. those levels are increasing. Mm. So all we'd really be doing, if we were to put you into, like, a striking bat, is taking skills away yeah. from you. Yeah. Um, but you don't need to develop that because you've already developed that. Yeah. And your style, you know, without giving too much away, yeah. is educated. It sets traps. Mm. You're educated with your movement. You're mm. not doing things for no reason. Mm. Um, you've got good power, good stamina, good strength, you know, good pharmaceuticals behind you. <laughs> <laughs> every single person in the gym wants whatever you're taking. Yeah. I'm telling you what, it's just creative. Yeah, yeah creative. you're going to have to break their hearts and tell them that you actually have good nutrition. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shut up, man. Oh, I just want to eat fries and jab shit into my butthole. But, you know. No, yeah, for sure. But, like, because I've been around, like, the, the fighting kind of scene for a while. So I know the consequences. I know the the dangers of stepping into the cage when especially especially if you're not ready fully ready mm. so i really wanted to like like you said take a step back go to the fundamentals go learn all these steps because i might take the longer route but i'd rather be this like more strategic way more the smarter way because i want to as you always say i want to go the i want to go on a on a run not just i'll lose one win one lose one mm. i want to go on a long run um the safer way the smarter way and um just progress from there yeah. yeah like all the stuff is going to happen at amateur yeah you know what I mean? you're going to have experiences that you just don't you just don't see coming you're yeah. just not able to really grasp the full extent of what the experience is going to be like until you take those steps into the cage but you're going to get it all out yeah. at an amateur level and you're going to go on a professional win streak and yeah. because that's your goal mm. because you're going to actually take the steps to put that into practice and to make yeah. it your overall outcome you'll get that outcome as well yeah, what made you get into fighting it's something i've never asked you yeah. i just figured like um, because you're doing a degree as well yeah. at the same time yeah so i'm studying uh, i'm pretty much almost finished like i'm on my last report for um degree in pharmaceutical science <laughs> yeah so um <laughs> Uh, it's not funny. It's, it's actually really, really like impressive to be yeah. honest with you. But, you know. um, 
like realistically, I, I've always been uh, like interested and I've uh, always had a passion for like fighting, like in whatever, like since the like, combat sports. Um, so I've always had an interest, you know, um, to eventually put my skills uh, to the test. I like, um, I was like growing up with the boys, just like just sparring, just playing around with them, just having a spar. Um, <laughs> Obviously, growing up watching WWE. Oh man! Yeah, so I was always like into that, watching movies, just, just, just all around, just combat sports or fighting in general, yeah. some, some yeah. sort. Yeah. yeah. So. But then you sort of figured out like, oh, it's not the movies, it's not yeah. WWE, because yeah. then you have to make that leap, right? Exactly. I've talked to other people about this before, because that's where most of us started. Yeah. I even said to the Element guys, like, my goal when I started mm. martial arts. And my goal today is the exact same, mm. and it's to throw a Hadouken. Yeah, like, that's why I started, and it's why I've kept going. I don't know if it's going to keep me in the sport long enough, but yeah. until I can achieve the Hadouken fight, <laughs> but um, that was always my goal. But at some point, you got to bridge that gap, exactly. right? So you're watching WWE, you're messing around with your friends. You realize at some point you do actually have an aptitude yeah. for combat, and you're yeah. like, oh shit! All of that joking around, yeah. this actually might be true. But then you've got to step into the doors of a fight academy exactly. for the first time. And you've got to go through that humility check and mm. the respect yeah. check. Yeah. And you've got to come out the other side of it and still want to come to class. So you bridged that gap really mm. well. And I think that uh, all credit to whomever it may have been who had those formative experiences with you. Because you have obviously have humility and respect mm. ingrained within your personality. To an understanding that that's what gets you results. And I think that what you've been able to achieve academically, mm. that's a pretty good testament to mm. the type of mentality that you have. And I encourage you to try and transplant that mentality into your mixed martial arts and into your MMA. Like, I know that, you know, there's been some really big evolutions lately in, in grappling, you know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time it comes from people's intellect. You know, they, they don't just apply their instinct when they're grappling, mm -hmm. they imply their intellect first, then let that become their instinct, then that take over when they fight. So keep going down that route, man, because you're doing a fantastic job. And if your sparring rounds are any indicator of yeah. how hard you're willing to work to get towards these goals, man, you are on your way. What else are you looking forward to when it comes to Apex and just being around the whole the whole thing? So like, probably the first thing just, um teammates of course yeah. to seeing them how they go because um, even before the sum camp I've been in other training camps so I've seen like the effort the output they have to do to get positive results so if I'm seeing in the past the positive result from their effort I'm seeing just as much effort if not more now so I'm just excited for uh, you know the positive results they're going to get out with yeah, yeah that's brilliant yeah. I'm really, that's really cool like you're definitely a team player you're definitely someone who shows up for them and and now they're showing up for you, which yeah, is no, fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate everyone, everyone, especially you or the team. Like, I really appreciate you. Nah, that's good, man. You're going to get some good results. Hey, thanks for your time, nah, time man. That's you. all I wanted. No reason to be nervous. Nah, yeah. It's just me talking for like eight to ten minutes. That's nah, all it is. Nah. I'll do that outside of this anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Now, looking forward to it, man. Let's get back out there. Right, thank Cheers. You. Okay, the last cab off the rank. And probably the most prolific guest that we have on the Backbone podcast for good reason as well. Uh, Jackie Evans, how are you? How's it all going? You're looking forward to Apex 2. It's me again. <laughs> Dukes! <laughs> Dukes. Hi, yes, finally on a fight show. Yeah. Yes, finally, yeah, after two years. It's been a long years. time coming, right? It's, I mean, it's not like you haven't been uh, nominated prior to this for Striking Doubts, but uh. COVID destroyed it a few times, uh, not match-up opportunities destroyed it a few times, it's difficult and the female ranks around your weight, but I mean, it could potentially be a blessing in disguise as well. I alluded to it before with the sign-in that I had, which was basically the type of skill progression that you've had has been astronomical. You've worked literally from the ground up to revamp your style and what you're doing now with your sparring rounds is just, it's unscoutable. Like if someone tried to look at your footage uh, from your previous fights, it would just be, it'd just be like watching a different fighter. Oh, they can look at my old footage all they want. <laughs> Please go by that. That is exactly what I'll be bringing to the table. But um, yeah, I just um, I guess what um, Jake Chenoweth and yourself and the guys here have managed to do in that 
uh, you know, a couple of months before we went into lockdown and then obviously the months coming out of lockdown, um, just really developed myself as an actual competitive fighter. Mm. You know, I feel that um, the things that I do now work advantageously to my height, my short little dinosaur arms and <laughs> my short little legs. So I think that it's, um, it's working. I think it's paying off. I can say that. I feel that it's paying off. I feel that I'm not, I'm no longer stuck in between fighting styles and, mm. and stances. I know where I want to be and I know what I want to, want to achieve um, mm. every time that I, um, you know, do my rounds this, this time around. So I'm excited. This is my first uh, Trinity MMA fight camp. I've seen a couple of the guys go through um, their camps and, you know, seeing how we uh, do our rounds and stuff. You Doing it is a lot different to watching it, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, And if you're coming in as the fresh guy yeah. at the third minute of like the last round, you're like, yeah. oh man, I'm awesome, I feel really great. I know, anyone pumping that like, hand in the fist <laughs> after that third, like, you, you just can't, you know? Like, um, I think that understanding what it means to like essentially Shark Tank yeah. is just horrendous, you know, on my behalf. Like last week I had a, it was pretty, Traumatic. Yeah, pretty confronting you know? yeah. when you hit that second round. You go through the first round, the first round's always the first round, but you after that second round, you're like, I can't believe mm. that in literally four minutes of work, I've been pushed to this extent. Because the traditional striking format of a sparring day is endless rounds, 12, yeah. 15, 20 rounds. But yeah. I've never felt that it's the best representation of the type of energy system that you're going to be thrust into come yeah. fight night. Whether it's via an adrenaline dump, whether it's via stimulation or overload, you know, just from all of the different things that are occurring in and around that fight night and as you're actually walking out to the fight, like, yeah. you have to be prepared to do a job or two jobs, maximum output and execution in the round times that are allotted to you and maximum recovery in the recovery times mm. that are allotted to you. It's not about doing 15 rounds and being able to breathe your way through it. It's about doing three twos and having to perform. You're sprinting. Like, you're sprinting for two minutes and, you know, you've got to think about how you're feeling. Like, how I felt last week was mentally and physically um, and emotionally different to how I feel this week, whereas, uh, like, today I felt more emotionally charged mm. before my round. Like, I even say, said to Jake, like, you know, I actually feel like I want to cry today. And he was, I think it was surprised. No one's ever heard me say that. No one. Even you looked at me just then, just like, what the, what the hell? But, like, I just felt like it was such a different uh, type of stimulus that was happening. A lot of people at the moment, they, they tend to ask, like, oh, are you excited? Because they find out that you're fighting. Mm, yeah. Are you excited about your... Uh, like, I'll just say on a public forum, I wouldn't say, like, I get excited for my birthday. You know, <laughs> I get excited for, you know, leaving work on a Friday. You know, it's not necessarily excitement because what you're doing from the moment that you accept the fight until you pretty much have weighed in, you know, until fight night, is that you're working. This isn't like a fun exercise that we like to do, you know, as buddies and stuff. This is hard work and, you know, it's not a matter of being excited, I don't think. I don't know if that's the right kind of uh, emotion that I would have in my build-up at all. Um, it's stressful, you know, and there's a lot of, um, you learn a lot about yourself and there's a lot of self-doubt all the way through it. Like some days I'll come to you and be like, this is great, this is working, I feel confident. And then all it takes is like, you know, 10 minutes in training that you just freaking kick Jake's elbow with your foot or like something happens and then everything comes flooding back in or you get a really good like hard hit by Fizzy in your round and it's like in the first 30 seconds and you have to deal with that mm. and you've still got two more rounds to go. So yeah. fun and exciting is no, not necessarily... People like to say things that they think they should say. Sure. Like, are you excited about your fight? Because they think that, you know, that's a good thing you've been working towards and you would be excited about your fight. So they're trying to relate to you, right? The other thing that people say is, how's your weight going? Love it. And the other thing that people say is, when's your next fight? That's, that's the other one. If you're about to ask an actual fighter any one of those three questions, just chill on that for a sec. 
and just take a step back, then put yourself in their shoes. You know, they've just worked incredibly hard in fight camp, come off that sure. fight, you know, win, lose, or draw. And uh, you've just, essentially what you're doing is dismissing everything they've just done and being like, so what's your next fight? Oh, uh, I love it. It's never enough for the people. Are you not entertained? I am excited for the pizza that I'm going to be eating <laughs> afterwards. I'm excited, I'm excited for all the vegan gummy bears that I'm going to be eating and stuff. Like, that's what I'm excited for. And, yeah. Um, I'm sure, like, the emotion that you hold towards fighting is a mixed emotion at best. I know that it's that way inclined for most people, whether it happens as soon as they accept a matchup or whether it happens at the weigh-in, whether it happens on fight night or somewhere amidst the tyranny of fight camp, they all go through a mixed emotion uh, reconciliation where they go, yeah, this is what I want. It's what I wanted. It's hard. It's confronting. I doubt my ability to follow through with it, but I'm going to follow through with it anyway. Mm. Um, I fear it. I respect it. I'm eager for it. I need it. You know, these, these yeah. are all conflicting emotions, but even as you hear me say them, they're the most real emotions. Yeah. They're, they're not like intellectual, fleshed out thought processes. Mm. They're just what you actually feel yeah. about fighting in general. And that whole thing encapsulated is why there's so many more people in the grandstand than there is on the, on the match field, For sure. on the playing field, because... It's incredibly difficult to overcome. So when you're feeling those doubts, you just got to know that it's normal. Mm. When you're feeling on emotional highs, you got to do your best to ride it out and mm. stay level. And when you're feeling on those lows, you just got to understand that this will be all of the time. You know, you get better at managing it, but it's always going to be there. And sometimes when you get really veteran, experienced fighters, when they're not feeling that way. When they don't have that flood of emotion, like, fuck, maybe I should hang it up. Mm. Like, I, maybe I'm not going to be on the wavelength of intensity that I need to be come fight night to actually perform. Because all of that energy mm. is where adrenaline lives, right? So the more you get used to it, the more you're able to channel it and use it, the more you begin to crave it and understand how necessary it is. If it's not there, you're like, fuck. Maybe yeah. I'm not going to be on that wavelength. I remember Corey Sandhagen talking about this in, before his fight with Aljamain Sterling. Like He just was in the cage, completely fully prepared, incredibly ready to go, but just not on the same intensity wavelength that Aljamain Sterling was on. Mm. And when he saw him come into that cage and he felt that energy coming from him, Cody was just like, fuck, I'm fucked. I'm not going to win this fight. Mm. I'm not on that level. And it's interesting... It's a very interesting uh, point of understanding to come to as, as an individual, as an athlete, as a competitor, mm. that for all of that time we spend working on being composed and earning our mm. composure, there's still a level of you know, guttural, instinctual energy mm. that you need to take to that cage and channel. And a lot of what you've been describing is mm. that. I find it hard, like, you know, I've seen some of the boys... They're cool beforehand and then it's like they switch on for their rounds and they just have an automatic, it's like a light bulb switch. You know, they can switch it on, switch it off. Mm. And I I don't have that. Mm. I honestly don't. And I've, I don't feel like, I just, I'm like, I feel sometimes, some days I need to be hit for it to switch on. Some days I feel it driving to the academy. Like there's mm. no one point but I see some of the other guys and they switch it on, switch it mm. off. And it, it might be because they've been through it a lot more than what I have. You know, they I feel more comfortable around their fight team mm. the way that like, because this is my first experience with them um, in terms of a camp. So I don't know if it's a mixture of um, that. But at the moment, like I'm trying to get into my routine. Mm. You know, Jake said something very important to me today before my rounds is that, for those three rounds, whoever is on the other end of that cage from you, they're not your friend. Mm. They're not your teammate. They're not, they're no one. They're you, not even the same person. Nah, you want to put your fist through their face, you know, to the back wall. Like, you have to start thinking like that yeah. now. And I think when I got into there today, I felt a little bit more like this is my, this is my role. Mm. This is my job now. Yeah. Like, I take fight counts very seriously, as you knew, because you told me, the day of M16 open that I had 
a map chop. Yeah. And I think the only reason why you did that was because I was about to go and get me a big old <laughs> <Yes>. iced latte. <laughs> and you were going to get some, like, there was... Uh, some cookies and... Who was there? It was, like, Shelby was Shelby, there. Shelby, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shelby yeah. was there. She had these really nice-looking biscuits and shit. And I'm like, fuck, I better tell Jackie quick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Before she down. And it was there. Like, you told me, yeah. uh, like, 10.30, and it was like, bang. Yeah. This is what and we're doing. come the afternoon, you we went shopping and stocked up for fight camp. You, know, yeah. you just completely flicked that switch. And I, I saw you flip the switch then. There'll be more, like, flicks of the switch. Yeah. <laughs> like, as we yeah. know, usually it's weigh-ins. That's when I see the majority of people really really hits home with mm. them. You know, I asked a lot of the other fighters who are you know, fighting the whole new breed <laughs> that are coming through, you know, what it means to them and when, when does it feel real and stuff like that. And you all had different answers. You've all had really varied answers, mm. um, which I think is really cool. And I hope that people that listen to this get to know you a little bit more but can relate to you. If Maybe if they were thinking about fighting or they have fought before, yeah. they would have shared in some of these emotions and, yeah. and really understand that no matter what background you have, perspective you're looking at it from, everyone sharing in these emotions and sharing in the the trial and tribulations and the, the overcoming of those challenges, that's why really we have so much respect for each other because mm. we know just how difficult it actually is. And we commend each other for the effort all of the time. Mm. That's why so much camaraderie is built in the training room because we all partake in something that is very, very difficult to do. It takes a lot to actually make that walk. It doesn't take a lot to say that you want to do it. Yeah, it takes a sure. lot to follow through on every step of the process that is necessary in order to earn that opportunity. You might come in for sparring once or twice and figure out it's not for you. You might have had an idea about getting in there and doing a striking bout and then figured out very quickly that it's not the... The goal of the fight is not what you want. It's all of the other stuff that's around it that looks mm. glamorous. It's not glamorous. The Insta posts. Yeah, it's not glamorous. If you've got yeah. an athlete page up, take it down yeah. until you're a professional athlete because it's just going to add more pressure to you. The glamour mm. is not It's not real. It's not tangible. The Nothing only glamorous thing, with a broken nose, bleeding face. Exactly. The only right? thing that is tangible is the consequences. Yeah. You absolutely nailed it. Yeah. And that's just not the broken noses in the fight. That's the... That's every little injury and every little trial that you're going to face in training. You think you don't get hurt? There's a difference between hurt and injury. You're getting concussed and knocked out cold. That's an injury. We've got to address that. But if you're getting hit and it sucks, that's fucking every day. Mm. If, you're, if you're coming home with scrapes on you and scratches on you that you don't even know how you got, that's every day. That Shin's hurting every day. Back's hurting every day. And that's why real fighters, people who are really in this, they're not just Instagram posting about their cryotherapy because they think it's a cool thing to put on their wall. Unless you're sponsored by them. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, but but what, what I'm saying is like, they actually need that level of comprehensive recovery because they're being pushed to the absolute limits mentally and physically. Like, it's I a think different I need game. That right now. You, you do. You 100% do. Because of how much work you're putting in. Like, it's a different game than people really think it is. Yeah. And I'm glad to have an opportunity to put forward a little bit of the personalities and the people behind it. You know, these, this whole new generation and new breed have, have earned some shine. They've earned a highlight. And they've earned it through doing all of this kind of stuff as well. Like, the real hard parts. I think for me, the hardest part of any fight camp is having, oh, this is a bit personal, but is to having to step on the scale every day. Like I find that such a mental breaking point for me because of, um, I don't know if, well, you know, obviously, but I, I was like very overweight mm. and I've come from a background where I've had to like really work hard for my fitness. I still work hard. Like every day you watch it and yes, sometimes I overtrain, sometimes mm. I do like bad things to my body, um, in terms of how much effort I feel I need to put in. Um, but stepping on the scales for me every day is the most confronting thing that I have to do when I'm in camp. Mm. I hate it. Mm. I honestly hate it. And even though I'm doing everything right and the scales are telling me everything right, it's the one thing that I wish I could take away mm. because it rip. we'll have to start weighing myself at home yeah. and you have to oh, keep yeah. looking at it. And, you know, like, it's, it's one of those things though, like you just don't know what it's going to be sometimes. Yeah. And anyone I know that's competed in a weight class-based sport, 
they have that type of relationship yeah. with scales and the food and stuff like that, we will do our best to mitigate that and you know really understand that when we, you've made massive strides in your nutrition in general, yeah, uh, to fuel yourself and to keep yourself safe mm. at the same time. But you know the twins, like they're fighter fighters. Mm. They don't give a fuck about nutrition and <coughs> cardio and strength and conditioning. But guess what? They're doing all of that now mm. because they face the consequences for not doing it. They don't want to do it. It's confronting for anyone to be told that you have to do some shit that you don't want to do. And you have to look closely at what you're putting in your fucking diet and stuff like that. I mean, that's really difficult to take ownership of. Mm. And professionals have, you know, fight dietitian, combat dietitian that do that for them. So it takes it out of their hands and they just put all of their trust into, you know, a very well-educated professional to help them with that because it's another tough part of the game. But, it's one of those things that it just goes really unseen. But over time, you become more experienced in how to manage it. You contract and expand mm. on your diet and nutrition. Uh, you don't beat yourself up so much for fucking it up mm. because you will inevitably fuck it up. In fact, you have built-in workarounds, you know, whether it's supplementation of chromium or potassium to deal with spikes um, in carbohydrate or deal with spikes in glucose if you had a shitty meal and shit like that. You can mitigate the damage in your bloodstream and you can have things like fermented foods like jamu and kombucha mm. and juan and even just black tea and kimchi if you um you know if your gut bacteria is fucked up because you've changed your diet so yeah. heavily you know even changing your diet drastically for the better yeah. is still a massive change for your gut flora sure. so it's like gonna fuck you up a little bit yeah you know what i mean it's gonna make you feel odd yeah um but then you cross the threshold of that oddness and you start to reap the benefits of it in terms of your nutrient uptake and things like that. I mean, this is stuff that if you were to have to go through this alone, it would be impossible. Mm. You need all of the support in the world. You deserve all of the support in the world because again, you're the one who's putting it on the line. All the consequences fall solely on you. I don't take the hits for you when you walk into that. Cage. I think like you found out that I'm really honest. <laughs> I'm like more honest about when I'm cutting because I'll message you immediately. Like I'm here. Like I didn't prepare myself, which I should have for the day or I got stuck here. I can't leave this particular work spot or wherever. What do I do? Mm. And I literally have to reach out to you because I don't want to have a panic attack based <laughs> off of, oh shit, I'm not like having packed my food properly hmm. and like I'm... The only thing that's nearby me is that shitty deli over yeah. there. Like, and, you and, you know, my advice in those moments is not to demonize that food that you're about to have. Just yeah. put it into context with the with the actual training that you're going to do or the recovery day that you're having at the time. It's like, okay, that just replaces that meal and it has this nutrients in it and you can use it to your advantage. Like, also, I'm not eating hot dogs and No, no, well. it's When not, I say it's bad like food, it's, it's just like literally out, just not off. Yeah, food, like just... out of the schedule, yeah. out of the structure. And, and that's the pitfall, right? If you live such a regimented lifestyle with your food, too much mm. can be very detrimental, mm. very detrimental, you know. I've, obviously, I've talked about sugar in the past and things like that. I'm trying to take refined sugars out of my diet. I had a big run of like over 500 days where I had zero refined sugar in my diet and stuff like that but even even i have to take a back step and look at that to a point i'm not going to go out and actively buy things that have refined sugar and then bring them back to my home and binge eat on them i'm not doing that now i'm i'm happily past the point where i feel the draw to do that but if i'm going out with my family like my yaya and mm -hmm. you and my mom or you know going to something like a wedding, you know, something like that. Oh, what wedding? I don't know. Exactly. Apparently there's a few coming. <clears throat> but if I'm there thinking about if there's any refined sugar in the sauce and literally stressing my body and stressing my systems about it, I've crossed the line. Mm. I've crossed the line of, uh, it's like diminishing returns, right? So in those scenarios, that's fine. Lay it's just back, mindful right? eating. Yeah, you it's, know, it's, like it's yeah. just... You know, but that, that's what I mean, like, if, I, if you demonize it to the extent of mm. pure exclusion, you're never going to, you've just created another dragon, another monkey on your back that you're always going to be thinking about. Like, they've talked about bulimia in the past, and they're like, savants of knowing how much calories are in each food and stuff like that. It becomes an instinctual brain pathway as opposed to an intellectual or thought process. They instinctually know 
how much calories are in things. It's fucking crazy when you look at the science, but you don't want to be that. That's a disorder. That's a dysfunction. Mm. That's going to take reprogramming of your brain to come out of that. When you stop being a full-time athlete or a professional athlete mm. or just exit out of fight camp, it's going to fuck you up if you don't watch it. And so many people have gone through that. Just another thing, just another pitfall that can occur mm. if you're not watching it. You know what I mean? And health is, is fleeting. I've had issues with my, my health over the last two weeks that have been like, come on. You know, you just have yeah. that emotion sometimes. Like, come on, come on. You're doing well. There was nothing to insinuate mm. that you were going to that you were leading down a pathway of injury and it can happen things can happen to you I can't even remember who I was speaking to beforehand but we were like people who have been overweight before I still I see myself as a very overweight person all the time Mm. every single day even when the scales are saying even when you're telling me not even when Mm. everyone's saying oh my god you know all of this and it's such a hard thing to uh, you know I think if you are in that situation where that's where your mentality is, you have to make sure that your support network, the people around you, um, your fight team, your friendship groups and that, they understand it to a point where it's not going to be harmful for you long term. Mm. Because this is a six-week camp, or yeah. I think it was five weeks for us. Um, so you have to be, you know, I'm very aware of my flaws in terms of weight and my body mm. image and things like that. I find that if I don't openly talk about it to the people that I need to, like yeah. my coaches and that, um, if they don't actually understand you from that point, because if I said to you that I had a real bad image about myself, but I need to lose eight kilo for mm. this fight, I think that you'd kind of take a step back and go, wait a minute, we need to, yeah. you know, sort that out. Well, not, yeah, because there's things that are outside of fight camp. I mean, fight camp is like a thing that we do, for right? Sure. The thing that, ha- I mean... You know, there's differing schools of thought on whether it's even necessary or not. I think at an amateur level, when you really are, especially if you're doing like one art, like a grappling, yeah. if you're a grappling, there's no point in doing fight camps if you're a grappler or fight camps if you're just a pure striker to a certain extent. Mm. In your formative years, in your true amateur, when you're just starting out, you should always be training, always be looking to better your nutrition, always setting up good habits of, um, you know, having a competition and then returning to the academy that it's not really necessarily that important to do fight camps for MMA. It's different Mm. because you need to do so much skill progression, uh, that takes place in so many different areas that it is beneficial to go into a fight camp and come out of it. Like when you know you're out of fight camp, for example, you can lean a little bit more heavily on your jiu-jitsu, show up to more striking classes if mm. that's the area that's needed. But when you're in fight camp with a specific opponent, you're working on a subset of skills that are tailored towards taking on that other opponent with a subset of skills. You know, it's, it's a little different. Uh, but within that, like if you're an amateur fighter who's partaking in fight camps, you just get a little bit of practice about sure. an insight into what that's going to be about and this whole you know drastic nutrition change and drastic diet change and stuff you want us you realize why you need to abolish it from your lifestyle because you don't want to go into fight camp and change things so heavily mm-hmm. that you have massive downward spiral in your mood to the point where you can't fucking train like you should be on point enough with your nutrition in general mm-hmm. all of the time to be able to move seamlessly into fight camp without this this down this just trough. What a solid point as well because it it will highlight if you're trying to lose too much weight mm. at the start. You know we set targets for certain time frames and the expectation from you guys. If we don't meet them, then obviously we have to negotiate on what mm. what our fight weight is and things. And I think sometimes um, there are fighters out there, you know, who are losing. A lot of weight mm. you know because they don't want to concede to a, another weight class mm. um either skill height you know yeah. and it just reach advantage. it doesn't come down to what you're doing in fight camp no it comes down to what you're doing all the time yeah. and i think that's the major uh point of not doing fight camps i think if, if you had someone who was arguing a point for not doing fight camps that would be the major one um, but, you know, we all see things a little differently. And what I'm describing or what we're describing with the nutrition is fucking difficult as well. Like, we don't, don't like, you know, I'm asking people to do a very difficult thing 
but for a very good reason, you know, mm. you, again, you face the consequences. And once you realize what those consequences are, or you felt them, you know, everyone's had a bad cut and fucked it up. You know. <laughs> um, He's looking at me directly because I have. I'm looking at me directly. I am the poster child for this, you know what I mean? But it takes those experiences to understand why it's so important mm. to, to uphold a standard uh, in general all mm. the time for your life. Um, and hopefully that sort of rolls on yeah. and into different areas of your life and you realise that, you know, consistency is the king. Yeah. You know who's looking fit right now? Ali. Yeah. He's but then again... Pharmaceutical. <laughs> <laughs> Quotation marks. He's going to listen to this and hate it. No, he's, he's going to be on this podcast. Like, oh, is he? Yeah, he was on there. He was on there just before. But, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing them. Um, Ali and um, Geordie. Obviously, Levi's had a fight, but um, he's he's another he's a special special athlete. Mm. I don't think that he I don't know if he understands how how talented and unique he is, including mm. and, and Mason as well. But uh, the shit that he's doing right now yeah. is just outstanding. And everyone turned a corner this week. Everyone took on board what's happened in the last few weeks of their sparring and their simulation rounds. Yeah, and. They've re- they know what they're preparing for now. Mm. They're not preparing for a fight. They're preparing for three rounds of specific work rate and understanding of exactly what they need to do, exactly what they're going to encounter, mm. the truth of the attrition that they can stand to go through. Uh, it's not about everything that you want to do and just putting it on them. The adversity that you face is indescribable mm. in so many different ways, but we're starting we're starting to really get a good idea of it and that that affects your preparation in a very big way. But yeah, we've got the rest of the day to get on with now, so let's get out of here and start doing it. Um, we've got a million life. Yeah, we can get a million life again. We'll okay. some toys. Yes. All right. Uh, for everyone who listened to these interviews in this podcast today, make sure you get down to Apex. Hit up your gym for tickets. It's the only way amateur fighters make money. Uh, and you can hit up me if you'd like a ticket as well. And if you're from Trinity and you'd really like to support your team. So again, get down there. It's going to be excellent for any spectator. There's so much going on. Um, compete if you want to compete in wrestling and jiu-jitsu. sword fighting, jujitsu, anything you want to do. You've got opportunities to compete, which are few and far between these days. And uh, if you did listen to this and you learned something about one of our fighters, uh, or if you, if it made you go, Hey, I agree with that. I feel like that too. And that's exactly what we were going for. And uh, look out for them on fight night. And hopefully you can back them and support them. And if you see them, tell them they're awesome because they are. Okay? We'll be back. Same bat time, same bat channel for all the bat fans out there.